Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu everyone. Welcome back to Muslim in Paraiso, a virtual space for a fairly new Muslim to share her journey as she navigates the intricacies, nuances, and beauty of her new deen Islam. And I'm your host, Miriam Saraj, and I am so happy to have you here with me. Alhamdulillah. And I can't wait to jump into this episode with you. So in this episode, y'all, we're really talking about the immense amount of energy and connection and timing and just overall divine planning and cutter of Allah in our lives when it comes to um, events, opportunities, moves, jobs, people, relationships, connections, you know, and then just the amount of intentionality and the cutter that is behind removing those very same things that were placed into your life now needing to exit right and just our our need to let go and have faith and surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their plans for us instead of our own all through a small interaction with the bee <laughs> so without further ado let's go ahead and jump into this episode assalamu alaikum everyone I just want to come to y'all and share about just the amount of, I don't know, appreciation, energy, attention, understanding I think we need to have when it comes to the events and the occurrences and the people that come in and out of our lives. And all of this was sparked by one of Allah's beautiful, beautiful creations that have been visiting me and have been a form of medicine over the past couple weeks, actually, a few weeks, um, which is very interesting because it's still very much cold here and sporadic, but cold. And so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the story and what prompted uh, this particular podcast episode. So... <laughs> I had came or went outside into our backyard to put my water outside because I I pray over my water, I put it outside um, before drinking it, you know, and I do so because the water quality here is, is crazy and so I'm doing everything that I can to make sure it's high quality. So I put it outside. And in the midst of me putting our jars of water outside in the grass, I start picking up my daughter's play tiles that I have back there for her to play on instead of being on the hard concrete. And they have blown away into the yard. And so I'm walking around the yard picking up these tiles and I get to a certain part of the yard where the grass and everything is dead, but there is a huge patch of flowers of dandelions i believe i'm pretty sure that dandelions growing and as i'm picking a tile up i notice like within three inches of the tile there's a bee there's a honey bee you know on top of the dandelion flower trying to collect nectar and all the things that it needs to go back to its hive to make honey and then i notice that there's another one and another one and another one and another one right there's bees just hanging out in the backyard, despite the cold weather, collecting. 
and they don't try to leave me. They don't try to fly away from me. They just continue doing what they're doing, right? Some of them come within a few inches of me because of where the flowers are. Some of them fly away, further away to go visit other flowers, but they are continuing to do their own little dance regardless of me, my presence, right? They're like not even worried about me. And I stop for a second to stay high and just observe them. And I do this because I went to a Hanukkah last weekend and the sister was preaching about the importance of gratitude and being grateful in our lives for every single thing that we do. Because ultimately, that is the goal of Iblis, of Shaitan, right? Is is not for us to simply drink wine and alcohol or get tattoos or um, to have premarital sex or to do any of those haram things. Ultimately, the goal is for us to not be grateful, right? To not come back to Allah in the midst of all of those things, right? In the midst of the dunya, in the midst of the haram, in the midst of the mistakes. It's for us not to come back to Allah and to not come back to Allah in gratitude and in appreciation. And so she suggested this technique of just every day, just sitting with one thing that you're grateful for and just really sitting with it and coming to understand the depths of that one thing that you're grateful for, right? And to think about what it took for that one thing to come into your life, right? And just really sit with that so that way your gratitude and your appreciation just grows and it deepens. And so I remembered that as I was watching these bees fly around doing doing their thing. And I started thinking about what it took for those bees to land in in our backyard on that particular flower, right? In front of me at that very moment. Like all the things that had to be orchestrated in order for that to happen, in order for us to have that one singular interaction. And I started remembering that, yes, bees fly hundreds, long, long distances in order to collect their food before going back to the hive. Because I just started thinking like, where's the hive? Is it close by? And then I remember, no, it's, it's probably not. <laughs> you know, it's probably miles away. And so I was like, alhamdulillah, like what did it take for that these particular bees to make it right here in front of me, like the distance they had to travel, the trees they had to, to navigate, the winds, the clouds, the predators, the birds, like just all the things, all the obstacles, the distance, the length, the amount of time that it took for them to get right there in front of me. And as I was just in awe, just sitting there staring and observing them. You know, not only was gratitude flowing in, but there was joy, there was bliss, there was a calm and a tranquility that came over me. And I was just in awe, you know, of them being right there in front of me. And so then my mind started applying the same rationale, the same trajectory, the same course, the same journey that the bees had to take to get to me, to the people that had to get to me in my life. And I just started thinking about 
all the different experiences and events, the the joys, the pains, the ups, the downs, right? The trials, the tribulations, the ceremonies, the rewards, you know, um, the celebrations that had to occur for all these different people to come into my life, for my daughter to come into my life, you know? Like, just imagine all of the energy, all of the effort, all of the planning, all of the intentional checkerboard pieces and dominoes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had to place in each of our individual lives for certain dominoes to collide into one another, right? Think about that. Think about the birthing journey that had to take place. Think about the parenting that had to take place. Think about the denials, the closed doors, the open doors, the perfect timing that had to take place for your husband to come your way, for your child to come your way, right? For your friend to come your way, for your imam to come your way, for your mukadam, your sheikh, your whatever, right? Think about all the planning and effort and energy that had, that Allah had to put into place for someone to just come into your life for one single moment. Like, let that sink in. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of care for one single moment. And so now think about the energy and the effort and the intention that it would have to take for that person to now leave your life after one single moment, two moments, two years, five years, you know, like think about the amount of energy that Allah had to put in for that person to come into your life. And then think about the amount of energy and effort and planning and intention and doors closing and doors opening at the right moment, right? Words being said at the right moment, words not being said at the right moment in order for that person to leave your life, right? To exit, to exit the premises. And in my thinking, right, and, and in this revelation and in this download and in this message and in this wisdom that Allah was pouring into me through the bees, this came to me and it was, if Allah, <laughs> if Allah is trying, I'm sorry, y'all, because it's, it's kind of hitting in another way that I can't, I can't truly get it out. If Allah is working to let someone go, to let something go, why are you fighting so hard to keep them? If Allah is putting in so much work, right, to allow you to avoid a situation, to keep something or someone out of your life. Why do we fight so hard to keep it? And in that moment, I, I recognized or recalled again, you know, all the sayings about, you know, if something or someone is for you, then it'll stay, right? 
And if not, then it'll pass. You know, the whole, some people are roots, some people are branches, some people, are, that, that whole sentiment, right? Kind of came back, but on a much deeper level. Like if Allah put all of that intention into someone coming into your life for one single moment, and then he turns around and he puts all that intention and energy and planning into allowing a, an exit for that person to leave your life. Why is it that we work so hard to fight and keep them there? Right? Or we work so hard and we fight to have one experience when Allah is trying to do the exact opposite. <sighs> And it just, it makes me think to our, our inability to have faith in God, right? That we're still attached to this dunya, to the material, to what we think we are controlling. Instead of realizing that ultimately, no matter what, we are not in control. That ultimately, no matter what, our plans fail and shrink in comparison to the plans that Allah has for us. We need to learn to let go. We need to deepen our faith, especially in those moments when we know that Allah has something else for her, us, that we know that Allah, despite the years of energy and effort that we might have put into a project, that we might have put into a job, we might have put into a person, a location, a relationship, a connection, whatever it is, that the energy that we put into those things, Allah wanted us to, but now Allah doesn't want us to anymore. And so as such, we have to surrender. We can't keep fighting to keep someone or something when Allah does not want us to, you know? And it was like this beautiful full circle moment for me of release, right? Of letting go, <laughs> letting go of people that have chosen to exit that Allah has allowed to gracefully and smoothly exit without any type of explanation, right? Old me would have wanted an explanation. I would have wanted to know why, you know, like what could have, could have been changed or done better, you know, um, or done differently, right? And I would have wanted to have that understanding in the hopes of possibly trying to reconcile and keep that connection. And I recognize that in those situations where I don't have closure, when I don't have a nice, smooth wrapping up and seal, that that is Allah's mercy, right? That's Allah saying, no, man, just leave it alone. Just, just leave it be. And now because I have, I'm slowly learning to surrender and leave it be like Allah wants me to and take the exit, take the opening to leave, now I'm seeing, now I have the understanding of why these particular people or that person or that relationship or that project or that endeavor, right, or that idea didn't come to fruition, you know? And it's a beautiful release and relief, you know, of, of burdens being dropped from my shoulders. <laughs> and in that same token, 
I also recognize the energy that it that it takes for someone to come into my life for a singular moment and to stay and to stay. Those are the connections that I need to be fighting for, right? The ones where Allah has not worked hard at all to have them exit, where I didn't have to fight or, or change aggressively or forcefully change who I was or what I did or how I moved in order for those connections to remain. I wish I could communicate and articulate more fully what I'm what I'm saying, right? Because there's a delicate balance in putting in energy and effort, right? And being persistent and working hard and, you know, relationships between human beings do take work and energy and effort. But there's a certain energy and effort that comes when it's divinely and uh, divinely aligned and ordained and divinely decreed by Allah. And there's a certain energy that it takes when it's not, right? And so I feel like whenever it is divinely decreed by Allah, there's work and energy that needs to be put into it, but it's a work and energy that comes naturally, that comes easily, and you kind of look forward to it, right? Whereas when it's not divinely decreed by Allah, it's a it's a forceful work that you that is exhausting, that's tiring, that's draining, that's Ooh, you have to do a lot of research and there's a lot of trial and error and it's just, it's not smooth. There's a lot of sacrificing and there's a lot of sacrificing that is not a benefit to you. But, you know, Allah knows best, you know, <laughs> Allah knows best. But I just wanted to share that, that medicine, you know, that if if Allah is is trying to let it go, right? If Allah has put in plans and dominoes and pieces for anything and anyone in your life to be there and to vacate, why do we work so hard? Why do we fight so hard to keep them? And I had this revelation, this this guidance, this wisdom imparted to me. And I remember again, <laughs> you know, just like in this last episode, Instagram, going on Instagram and there was a post. I don't know if it was by the imperfect repenter or rely on Allah or Iman's world, but there was a post echoing the exact same sentiment. And if I can find it, maybe I'll pause this, try to find it and come back on and read it to you. But I was like, mashallah, mashallah, I'm not, I'm not crazy. <laughs> mashallah, you know, I'm going to try to find it for y'all. But all right, y'all, I found it. <laughs> Alhamdulillah for Instagram tracking everything that we do. <laughs> so there were actually two posts um, that surfaced for me. And the first one had said, as you're striving and growing within Islam, your company will change. Anyone who leaves was never meant to be kept. 
growth over attachments. And mashallah, alhamdulillah, the moment I now, I now see the moment that I took Shahada, literally the people who would not have helped me to grow in my deen, who would have tried to turn me away from Islam, or who would have tried to get me to commit shirk by accepting things outside of Islam that are idolatrous and in conflict, started to vacate. Like they started to vacate my presence. They literally were not even in the same city with me anymore because they chose to leave. And I'm just now realizing this as I'm speaking to you all. And alhamdulillah, you know, over 2023, that, that exiting, that removal became deeper and more permanent. It started with the physical, like not geographically being near me. And then slowly more distance was created. Emotional distance was created until eventually by the end of 2023, they were completely gone. Wow, mashallah. And then the other one was, and do you cry over that which has passed? I swear to you, if there was any good in it, it would have stayed. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And that last one was actually a Quran verse from Surat al-Muk, Ayah 13. Wow. <laughs> and do you cry over that which has passed? I swear to you, if there were any good in it, it would have stayed. Right? And it. <laughs> and so, in those moments where we pray and we ask for guidance, and Allah gives us an opening that no, it's not good for you. But we do the exact opposite of what Allah is decreeing for us. It, it <laughs> not to say that the journey is going to be nothing but challenging. But I feel like in that moment, you're choosing your will and what you want over what Allah knows is going to be best and better for you. Allahu Akbar. Allah is greater. Allah is the greatest. And so ultimately, I kind of, <laughs> I'm going to stop right here, y'all, because I'm having so much. I'm starting to get, I'm already pre in preaching mode, but it's in those moments that one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to continue praying and in making dua, the cutter of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change you know, and maybe he'll make the situation good for you. Or option number two, you're prolonging the inevitable, right? You're prolonging or delaying the exit and the removal or the separation or the ending or whatever it may be. And so why cry? Why fight to keep it? Let it go. And allow your suffering, allow the pain to be short. So that way you can have the space to 
welcome in what Allah is decreeing for your life. Wow. MashaAllah. I hope that this was a benefit to someone. I, don't, I have no other words. I'm, I'm going to sit with this for the rest of the day and continue praying and meditating on it and just allow it to unfold. Wow. How great is our deen? How great is Islam? How great is it that we, if you are Muslim listening to this, how great is the love that our, that our Rab has for us to bring us to this path? Okay, y'all. So I just want to interject really quickly before ending this, this episode. Um, with the importance of the bee, right? And I'm interjecting because I'm really excited about it. And this is just for me learning more and more about the bee and how it relates to Islam, right? And as this is a space for new reverts, new Muslims, I want to share everything that I'm coming into contact with. And so if you didn't know, right, there are specific animals that the Holy Quran is named after, right? So of course we have Surah Al-Baqarah, right? The cow. And there's other ones like the elephant, but there are three where the animal plays a major role in the, in the Surah, right? Whereas the cow, the elephant, they play a role, but it's very minor, right? But there are three Surahs in the Quran where the animal plays a dominant major role. Right. And those three chapters are those three animals are the spider, <laughs> the ant and the bee. That's just crazy in and of itself. I didn't even know that there was a Surah named after the bee. So that that's my first my first like inspiring moment. But then get this. Right. The bee is chapter 16 of the Holy Quran. And bees are specifically made up of either 16 pairs of chromosomes, like the queen, or 16 single chromosomes. And the bee is the 16th chapter in the Quran. Like, mashallah, how crazy is that? Is that like a coincidence, a coinkydink? I, I think not. And so... <laughs> Wow. In verses 68 or Ayah 68 or 69 of that very chapter, it says, And your Lord inspired the bee, saying, Take you habitations in the mountains and in the trees and in what they erect. Then eat of all fruits and follow the ways of your Lord made easy for you. There comes forth from their bellies a drink of varying color wherein is healing for men. Verily in this is indeed a sign for people who think. Now get this. The verse, right? And I'm I'm learning, I'm learning Arabic and I'm I'm trying my best to study the Quran right now. But I didn't know that there was um a particular attention paid to gender in the Quran or in Arabic. You know, I, I didn't think that it had gender much in the way that Spanish does, but it does apparently. And so in this particular ayah or that particular verse that I just read to you, it's feminine. It's in a feminine tense, 
And the world of bees is a female world, right? The male has no real input apart from the reproduction process. The females are the workers. The females are the builders. The females are the defenders of the hive. The female is the leader of the hive. So isn't that another dink? That this particular verse in the Quran is feminine intense and it's in the chapter of the bees and the world of the bees is feminine. It's a female world. If our, if I, if our Rob is not miraculous and amazing and intentional, and if you're not grasping that, then I just, oh, oh my gosh. The Quran, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. The Quran says that God inspired the bee, which indicates a level of intense divinity as this word usually depicts God's communication with holy or chosen people. Wow. How crazy is that, y'all? How crazy is that? And then I, I also found the actual amount of miles that worker bees will travel, right, in their lifetime. So most most worker bees, right, will live up to six weeks. And hive bees, or I'm sorry, not a hive, but a collection, a hive of bees, right? Those, those same worker bees who only live for about six weeks will travel 90,000 miles, which is equivalent to three orbits around the earth to collect just one kilo of honey. So remember when I was talking about distance? Wow. Wow. I'm gonna link the article that I I'm I'm reading from from um in the description of this episode so y'all will have an opportunity to read over this and just let it sink in yourself but wow I'm I'm feeling all kinds of things from the connections to the presence of the bee in in my everyday not everyday but the presence of the bee in, in my life over the past couple of weeks and that that's a form of divine communication and me feeling like it was a, a form of divine communication before having it confirmed in this article. Wow, mashallah. Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. How, how blessed are we on this dean, in this dean? Wow. Wow. There is thus a clear argument in this that the exactitude and skill and ingenuity is not due to the bee, but due to the omnipotence of him who has created it on such pattern and appointed it to the service of mankind. By Taweed al-Mufadal. And surely God is, is all knowing, is all planning, is all intentional, is all things. And I'm, I'm going to leave you with that, y'all. I'm going to leave you with that. 
And even that's not enough right now. Until next time. <laughs> Bismillah. I mean.